going on everybody hello again and welcome back to another episode of the welch report with me jean-luc welch make some noise Dive it up get excited wherever you are we are back with another jam-packed episode talking about the nba and all that's happening with the in season tournament oh we're gonna break down the excitement and why it's taking the world by storm or at least the nba world by storm lakers and pages are set to face off in the finals how did they get there who has been showing a real line to superstardom in their progression as a player all that and more we're gonna talk about right here on this show thank you so much for tuning in thank you so much for listening leave a like on the video comment your thoughts and opinions subscribe to the channel and share the show with everybody that you know so we can build up this empire together and make this community and make this channel something great absolutely i can't do it without you so all the help and all the support is greatly appreciated and we do this to entertain the masses and to make some moolah for you lot so we can make this show even better invest back in to the business that is the watch report and invest into myself a little bit you know i want to buy some stuff for christmas i got some my own amenities i'm trying to get for myself so all the support is always greatly appreciated but shameless plug aside and, sh and shameless need for money aside <laughs> we got a bunch of stuff to talk about in the world of the nba so without further ado let's jump right in to the nc the tournament that has been absolutely phenomenal when it comes to Competitive fire and fervor. Yes, sir. Let's talk about why this whole tournament has been so successful. This has been a tournament that has just taken the all, the everything that we've been asking for in terms of competitiveness for the end, for the regular season, has been brought about because of this tournament. We have been waiting. I have gotten tired of hearing consistently all the old heads, all past generations, all we used to care. Oh, y'all didn't, y'all don't know anything about real basketball, yada, 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 all that stupid mess. When the reality of the situation was, for a number of years, we had seen and have stupidly put the regular season on the shelf in terms of it doesn't really matter. Nothing really matters up until the playoffs. They're and to a degree, that seeped down into the players. That seeped down into their mentality of how they go through the season. 82 games is a long season, I understand. A lot of basketball to be played. It's my favorite sport in the world, absolutely. But we saw that sometimes we see players take off more than, more than necessary, more often than they really need to. Or if they're injured, ah, they'll take a couple extra days to rest. Or they just give a half-hearted effort because eh, it's a... It's a back-to-back, -back, getting ready for another three-game road trip, maybe next week. Yeah, we can take it easy a little. We don't got to play as hard. And so we saw people devalue the regular season. People not care about the regular season. Nothing can matters but the playoffs. And if you whatever you do in the regular season amounts to utterly nothing, which is ridiculous, but that was the mentality that was taking over the all of the basketball world, both on the court and off the court. Fans and experts, pundits and just detractors, anybody that had anything to say, understood that the NBA was losing luster for its regular season. But this in-season tournament has rejuvenated life into all of the NBA. Everybody's playing hard. Everybody's playing to compete. On top of the fact that we now have a new stipulation where you got to reach a certain number of games to be considered for all-star status and certain um, credentials for legitimate hardware 
MVP, Defense Player of the Year, Most Improved, those types of different awards that you can win as a player, you now got to play X amount of games in order to have that happen at your behalf. What I believe is, what, 65? Uh, could be a little more or a little less, but either way, that metric coupled with this tournament, money to play for, plus need, you have to play games in order to be even in contention for awards that can bring you even more bonuses and bolster your legacy as a player. Oh, it's been phenomenal. Oh, it's been amazing. It's been stupendous. Thank goodness. Thank the Lord that we got this in-season tournament because now we care and everything feels new. This season feels fresh. We got everybody. Kawhi's playing consistently. Paul George been playing consistently. LeBron's been playing consistently. Well, he always played consistently. But AD has stuck to his word and has not gotten injured, has toughened up, has played down low, has become one of the best centers and best defensive players in the entire league, probably leading candidate for defensive player of the year. Everybody on every team has stepped together to make it to this tournament. And in the tournament, it feels like a playoff atmosphere. It feels like we're already into next year and next summer is already here. We're already in the midst of round one of the playoffs. It feels like there is some real weight behind what happens on the floor. Players have bought in. Fans have bought in. I bought in. You bought in. We all have bought in to what's happening right now in the world of basketball. And we love it. We love it. And we need more of it. This is going to be something that continues on. I hope this stays as a staple. The only question I have for this in-season tournament is what happens after. Yes, we understand. Playoffs, we get it. Understandable. But I'm talking about what happens after this tournament's over. After Saturday, will the momentum and the care for the season continue to keep on rolling? Or will it be that we'll fall back into the rut of, eh, okay, it's, it, it, it is what it is. We're just waiting for the playoffs to come around. Maybe some hotly contested playoff races, teams desperately vying for spots in the play-in or to secure their spot in the playoffs outright. Outside of that, we don't care for anything else. I hope that's not what happens. I hope we keep the same level of intensity, of drive, of competitive fervor, and of players and fans caring about the entire season. Because when that happens, oh, it's a beautiful thing. Oh, we, oh, it makes basketball so much more appealing. Because no longer is it that we just only relegate this, the entire season to just a couple weeks in May, in June. No longer is it the fact that we are now, everything that you do amounts to nothing. If you don't have, if you don't make the playoffs and or succeed. We, I hope this hope helps change the tide of how boxing should be thought about, which is a totalitarian type mindset of what is the whole of the season that we saw amongst the players. So that we don't let performances that were phenomenal individually go under the radar and just be left in the dust, all because, eh, you didn't do anything. Uh, but, 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 but what did you do in May and June? Huh? What did you do in, in, in the summer? What did you do come playoff time? That's all people care about. And hopefully this helps swell and change the mind so that that isn't the only thing that fans want to see matter. And they get invested for the rest of the year watching all these teams thrive, perform, and fight. 
and the players get that energy, feel that energy, and they also continue to play and elevate their game. It It's an endless cycle of elevation, and everybody benefits. That's what this in-season tournament has hopefully started to bring about, started to turn, started to get the ball rolling, get the wheel turning, literally, in terms of getting and sustaining Fan invest, and I may have gotten to win the playoffs for the NBA. I, I know, it, I believe it's sometime in May. I know it happens in May at some point, which is probably earlier. But you, you get what I'm saying. Point still stands. This is great. Playoff basketball isn't the only basketball that matters. Now that we have this in-season tournament going on, people care, both fans and players. And with this continuing to to build up an audience, and with this going to be a yearly thing, this could help mold and reshape the minds of fans and players to perceive everything as important, including the regular season, which is going to be something great, exciting, incredible to both. Absolutely wonderful, wonderful to see happen, which I would love to see. I would love to see. And I can't wait to see. It's going to be great as we get to continue to see it on. But as we talk about the in-season tournament, we have to discuss who has played and what's been going on, specifically in these last couple games with the semifinals happening, with the Patriots and the Bucks and the Lakers and Pelicans. One of these standout performers as we switch gears in this show, one of these standout performers of this entire in-season tournament, of this entire season as a whole, has been Tyrese Halliburton. This man, this brother is insane. This cat's phenomenal. This man is absolutely ridiculous as a ball player. Got was on the Kings with one of the diamond was looking to make a dynamic duo with De'Aaron Fox. Then he gets traded to the Pacers. They stick with De'Aaron Fox as the main guy. And we've seen Halliburton grow and grow and grow. And he's done what I've been wanting to see players do for a long time. When it comes to we see somebody with real potential as a real leader and Difference maker on the floor. We want to see them pop the clutch. We want to see them take the extra step. We want to see them take that leap. And when it becomes apparent that they've taken that leap, all of a sudden everything changes around them for the better. They be, they make a normally undesirable location desirable. They make a team that shouldn't be competitive. Competitive. They bolster and support everything around them and they make everything run because they're there we've seen players in the past have that ability have that potential but never reach it never get to that real level never pop the clutch but we have seen Tyrese Halliburton pop the clutch we have seen him take hold and make this happen for on his behalf turn this Patriots team into a real contender get them to the finals of this NCAA tournament, beat the Bucks, who were one of my favorites, to win the NBA Finals this year, especially after getting Damian Lillard in the trade. Tyrese Halliburton outplaying Damian Lillard, Lillard after Damian Lillard started coming on strong, scoring 16 points after a abysmal, I believe, first quarter or first half performance. Straight. And to making that game, that game was incredibly close. But what did we see in that game with Damian Lillard, or with Tyrese against Dane and Giannis? He stepped up and played like a superstar. He played like somebody who is one of the best players in the world. He's had a string of games all season long. 
35 and 15 assists, 20 and 14 assists, 25 and 11 assists, 30 and 12. It's been just constant. Oh, 50, 40, 90. Don't forget. Having a 50, 40, 90 season, 50% from the field, 40% from three, and 90% from the free throw line. While averaging, I believe, uh, nearly 30. Up there, up there. High 25 to 30 points a game. One of the best passers in the league. Might be leading the league in assists, if not at minimum top two. And he might not be two. This is a brother who is, he's, he, we, we, we've heard stuff about him. We've seen inklings. But we haven't seen players pop the clutch when they're on the brink of flourishing as a talent. Again, we saw Darren Fox was a brother who was on that brink. And what did we see happen? He popped the clutch, and we saw full force when the Kings made the playoffs and in that seven-game series against the Warriors. Everybody got to see on the biggest stage that Darren Fox has been in, in a competitive series that everybody was tuning into. Darren Fox showed himself to be one of the best players in the league, separated himself, pulled the gap, and showed himself true as to what he is and who he is and where he belongs in the tier of superstars in the league. There are not many. There are not many superstars in the the NBA. There are not. We throw the name around a lot, absolutely. But there are not many superstars. There shouldn't be. Superstars are on the line or of are of the ilk. Jokic, Embiid, Giannis, LeBron, AD, maybe at at this point in time. And you could argue, yeah. You could also argue no. But for the sake of the conversation, we'll say yeah. John Morant, when he's in, when he's here, once he gets back, well, we've seen him play as he's been one of the best point guards in the NBA. Bonafide superstar. Steph Curry, bonafide superstar. Those types of players are the players that deserve the name and the title. Superstar. Kevin Durant, superstar. Devin Booker, superstar. It's not many, but they're clear and apparent. We saw... Darren Fox showed that he can break through that ceiling and become a superstar. Now, whether you see him as one or not, that's up to you. You can debate it. He is one of the best point guards in the league, a a dynamic force, can take over a game by himself, has been the bona fide leader for this team on the Kings. It's one of the main reasons why they're a big threat in the West. And why they've had such a great comeback as an organization. He's been one of the leading forces. No doubt about it. But he's shown that he can get there. Even if you don't consider him as one right now. We saw him separate himself and pop the clutch on his career. Pop the clutch on his game. Break through the barrier of what your potential is versus what you can actually achieve. And turn that potential into reality. That's what we're seeing Tyrese Halliburton do. Been a phenomenal passer. Been a great shooter, though I hate his shot. And I keep thinking it should be blocked when players go to to go and guard it. 
especially on a step back, as slow as that release is. It's a marksman, don't get me wrong. But it, it seems like it should be blocked more than it is and stopped more than it is. It shouldn't be as, as effective as it is, but it is. And I can't, I can't fight it because it works. But we have now seen him all season long in this in-season tournament against one of the best teams in the East, against one of the favorites to win the finals, against every team in the NBA. Ran rough shot as a facilitator, as a scorer, as a leader, and as a difference maker for the Indiana Pacers. And has blown through his potential and turned it into reality. It's been in, it's, it's insane. He's turned Indiana into a market that people want to play with. People want to play with Tyrese Halliburton. Players want to play with Tyrese Halliburton. Stars and superstars want to play with Tyrese Halliburton. He's gotten the maximum amount out of Miles Turner, out of the rest of his roster, out of everything on this team. He has turned them into a real force of nature. Offensively, it's been phenomenal. We saw how, and when they locked down on defense, we saw how much, how hard, how much, how much difficulty they gave the Bucks. Turnover after turnover after turnover after turnover. Getting into passing lanes. And then being one of the best scoring teams in the NBA. Because of Tyrese Halliburton, his ability to find people. One of the best point guards in the league, one of the best scorers in the league, turning this team into one of the best offensive forces in the league. That brother is something serious. Tyrese Halliburton is a sight to behold. Insane to watch. Insane to watch. And he's somebody who is so... I, if this sustained, right now, superstar-level play, because it is superstar-level play, 35 and 15 on a night-to-night basis, 30 and 12, like I said before, this is superstar-level status he's playing right now. This continues to go. We could see this team, poop, just explode. Especially once they get more pieces on their roster that are even more talented, that are even more diverse, that are even better defensively. Could be something special. And Tyrese Halliburton is somebody special. Oh, so special. And on the flip side with the Bucks, quickly talking about the Bucks, this is a team that I felt they should have beat the Patriots. Yes, they should have. Fully healthy, Giannis and Dane, both playing, both healthy. Full team is available. One of the best defensive teams in the league. One of the best dynamic duos in the league offensively. In terms of Dame and Giannis. Against a Patriots squad that, again, while we would love and respect Halliburton. While I love the play of somebody like a Miles Turner. It's not matched up. They didn't seem like they would be enough. But, like we saw... Pacers went and dumb and took care of business. Came out in the fourth quarter strong. Came out in the second quarter strong. Played to close the deal. And they did just that. Again, Tyrese outplayed Dane. Yes, he did. Don't let this, though, swell you from, sway you from the bigger picture. This is a team that is still, in terms of the Bucks. they haven't even fully reached their zenith as a cohesive talent. And they're already 15 and 7. They're already 10 and 2 at home. They are already one of the most dominant teams in the East, them and the Celtics. They are already a team that is 
separating themselves from the rest of the pack in terms of the East and the NBA as a whole. So don't get scared about this loss because it is still a team primed and ready to win a title. Giannis hasn't playing phenomenal. Dame is, is, again, Damian Lillard. As he gets more and more acclimated to the way this roster goes, this team's going to be more and more compelling and hard to stop. Already, again, 15-7. and seven. This is a team that is built to win. That once the midseason comes around, oh boy, this team is it's going to be something special to watch. Don't lose hope on the Bucs. Don't hate on the Bucs. Be ready for the Bucs because they haven't even reached their final form of what they can be as a team as a whole. Oh, it's coming. Oh, they're coming. They're getting ready to evolve and explode. Potentially be, be usurp the Celtics. Though the Celtics, again, are right now one of the best built teams in the league. Don't be surprised if we see the Bucs take the first spot in the East. And they be favored, at least in my book, to win the title. Or at least come out the East and compete for a title this year. That's what I got to say on the Bucks. But when it comes to the Pelicans and the Lakers. Oh, oh, oh boy. Oh boy. Oh my. You want to talk about absolute domination from these two teams. This was a app. Oh, this was insane. This was eerie. This was scary. This was a monster movie. That's what this was. A monster movie of, of, of just death and despair. Because the Pelicans... They showed up and they got after the second half. Or excuse me, after this first quarter, this team went downhill. All downhill. This was, again, 89 to 133 by the Lakers. They played all of their bench. People that normally don't get time at all for six minutes straight. And they still, in the fourth quarter, and still have this team to under 90 points. This is supposed to be with McCollum, Zion, and Ingram, one of the better teams that the Pelicans, in terms of the Pelicans, that I've been high on. That should be a upset underdog for a lot of the top teams out in the West because of their offense, because of their shooting, because of their deceptive length, and legitimately, they can defend when they turn it on. And with Zion and Ingram, having McCollum as a third star to be able to take the offensive load, opens up the floor for Zion to get on the inside and dominate, opens up the floor for Ingram to operate in the mid-range and in the three, and opens up the floor for, for in terms of from both of them to have C.J. McCollum be able to ISO on opponents that he, again, we've seen this but an average 30 by himself. So it ain't like he can't play. It ain't like the brother can't score. It ain't like he isn't one of the best offensive players in the league. He is. Turn to CJ McCollum. But all of that's supposed to gel and make this into a real force in the West. But no. And what when they played this team, turn to the Lakers, they looked abysmal. They looked hard. They looked terrible. Had Ingram locked up the kingdom come, McCollum couldn't get anything off. Defense just getting outclassed, outmatched, outboarded, outworked. They felt uncomfortable. Everything was off. Coach was screaming on the sideline. I could hear it on the TV, but it amounted to nothing because the players weren't producing. 
and there was no way to adapt. Momentum just kept on going and going in the Lakers' way, and the Pelicans had no no way to stop the avalanche that was hitting them from all sides of the floor. Not to mention the Lakers shot one of their best games of the year and of the past couple of years, if we're being perfectly honest. We have one of the big things about the Lakers. They aren't a great shooting squad. They never have been. They haven't. And all of a sudden, this game, they put it all together. They put it all together. This was a team, they shot 48% from three. Insane. Made 17 of 35. Normally, if, if they make eight, that is seen as a good night. If they make five, that's average for the Lakers. That, that's average for the Lakers. Normally. They're, they're not a great shooting team at all. But they put it all together. Put it all together. And there was nothing. Once that happens, few teams can stop the Lakers. Few teams can stop the Lakers when they're actively shooting well. And we're going to get into why that's the case when I talk about the Lakers specifically. But on the Pelicans, getting back to the point, they were just ran roughshod over. And it's terrible. Not just because the Lakers were just a better team. but And are built as a better team. But it's because of Zion Williamson and his lackluster performance. It was horrible. It was terrible. 13 points. Six is right from the field. Again, he's always going to be efficient. We're never going to question his ability to get to the hoop. He's one of the most dominant interior players that we have in the game today and potentially in the history of basketball as he's consistently been able to just dominate down low without a jump shot, without a jumper, without a three-point shot, strictly getting to the hole and making one move to the basket or driving or out of the post. It's been phenomenal. He's one of the most explosive scorers in the NBA. We know the talent that's at his disposal. He has the ability to be a top 10 player in the, in the league. He really does. He can disrupt every single defense that he goes up against because of how athletically gifted that he is and his legitimate ability to make effective moves around the rim. And make his use and make his athleticism work for him. Rather than with what we see other players do, their athleticism is just that athleticism. They can jump high, but they can't make good use of it. Zion can make has mastered his ability to use his athleticism to his advantage. That's all the good. That's all the that, again, that's the potential that he has at his, at his disposal. The bad is the fact that this is a man who looks lethargic despite all of his athletic gifts at his disposal consistently and in this game as well no effort no drive no enthusiasm it seemed like when the going got tough we saw zion shrink again he was six of eight from the field when he got to the free throw line wasn't hitting anything understandable he was getting there one for six the point with all of this is the fact he should have been more aggressive. Why was it that he wasn't taking the ball in his own hands? Why was it that we were seeing Brandon Ingram and C.J. McCollum and Herb Jones and Jonas Valanciunas all have more shots than him? Everybody 
put more effort than him. He has the biggest plus, tied for the biggest, or excuse me, tied for the second biggest plus minus in this game at minus 33. Again, I'm not, I'm not just a stat, statistician, stat head. That's the only thing that matters. But no, no, it's not the only thing that matters. But it does give a great indication to help contextualize what we saw. That number should be, is right and or higher. Because his points amounted to nothing. And his effect on the floor amounted to nothing. Though he should be the biggest metric of, of, of concern for any team that he goes up against. Yet he wasn't seen as non-existent. I forgot he was on the floor from time to time when he played in this game. Completely taken out of everything that the Pelicans wanted to do. Or that they could do. And it's not just because of the Lakers' defense. It's because he himself, Zion, wasn't taking initiative to make something happen for himself. To force himself to be felt by every single player on the field. On the, on, on the court. Forcing his presence to be noticed, acknowledged, and feared. That's what Zion needs to do. And he hasn't done it. And he didn't do it. And... For all of the great numbers that we know he can do. Him being able to average 27 in his sleep like he did last year. Him being able to be, again, one of the most highly effective and efficient scorers around the rim. With his, quote-unquote, one-dimensional play style. With him only being able to score on the inside. Doesn't matter. Because it works. Yet, still, brother ain't doing what he needs to do. And seemingly, we're looking at a player who... Whenever we think he's got the drive, loses it. Every time he's got a spark of this can be something great, loses it. The elevation is never sustained. It's only reached for a time. And then it falls back down. We do remember what he played like when he was at Duke. Phenomenal. Insane. Great. Scary. Polarizing. Passing was sublime, underrated playmaker, could handle the rock, get to the rim, was shooting threes off the catch, taking those shots, defensively more aggressive, defensively more active, defensively more substantial in his ability to affect the game. In the NBA, while it's a step up in competition, his athleticism is something that is still of the 1% of the 1% when it comes to the NBA. He is of a different ilk than anybody else. His ability to adapt and play at this pace of the NBA should not be in question. Because of the more physical and bigger, faster, stronger metric that the NBA is held to, standard that the NBA is held to and is in reality, he is above that, yet we don't see it on a night-to-night basis. That effect of, oh, shoot, yo, this man's a different animal. It's not, it, it, it is infuriating to have this as a real talking point for a player that I have vouched for and I'm still high on, but he continues to let me down because he won't do what needs to be done. I don't like saying that somebody doesn't like working. I don't like saying that somebody's lazy. But in this case, again, every time I think he's got to work ethic back up, he looks bad off again. Looked out of shape this game. Was struggling to get up and down the floor. Was not 
in the game. Like you would want your best player to be in the game, both mentally and physically. It, 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 the effort wasn't there. The drive wasn't there. The use of his talent wasn't there. In terms of, I'm a force. Everybody they had to deal with what I bring to the table. It wasn't there. And it's a consistent problem that I have with Zion. Charles Barkley said it best on TNT. Yeah, not Giannis. Zion is supposed to be the best player on his team. Right now, he's looking like the third best player on his squad, especially that night. And he's comfortable with it. That, that's the problem. He's comfortable with it. If he wasn't comfortable with it, we would see him be the best player on his team. But seemingly, we don't know why, but Zion consistently isn't giving indications nor the visible trying or the visible um, participation on his own right to make it so that it is not the case that we are saying he's not working, to make it so that he, that he is showing that he's not comfortable with seeing, being seen as the third best player. With him under play, playing under his value and ability. We know that that is not what Zion is capable of. In terms of where he can actually play it. We know he can play as one of the best players in the world. We know he can score 30 and 35. Easy. But he's complacent with where he's at. Every time we see him fit. He goes back and out of shape. Like James Harden. And the work ethic that we're seeing from Zion seemingly isn't bearing fruit, nor is it sustainable. And it draws some real concern for a player of this caliber. Because we don't want to see a generational talent fall by the wayside just because the work ethic wasn't put there. We should be saying Zion Williamson is one of the premier superstars of a generation not of a decade not of a couple of seasons of a generation an absolute game changer in what we see a player can be in the nba a wilt chamberlain type figure a shaquille o'neal type figure a lebron type figure not in terms of talent but in terms of oh man he might not have reached the heights of a wilt or a Shaq or a LeBron, but he was he left an indelible mark as one of the most physically imposing and dominant players that we've seen in the NBA in the history of the league. Took what Charles Barkley was and tipped that up to 11, which is insane and scary to watch. Mind you, Charles Barkley's a brother that won MVP in the years that Michael Jordan was in the league. So again, that those are some good High hopes to have. And that's what we should be saying about Zion Williamson. Charles Barkley on steroids. In the running for one of the most physically imposing figures that we've seen in the history of basketball. Period. That's what we should be saying about Zion Williamson. But we're not at this point in time. All of the athleticism, all the skill, all the dominance is muddied and clouded by the lack of work ethic and the consistent um, regression, seemingly, of the evolution that we keep thinking Zion's going to take. Every time. Every time. And your potential's going to kill you in terms of if you're Zion Williamson. 
Because your potential is going to lead you to thinking that, okay, I can get it at any point in time. Like I said earlier, but it's not the case. The potential that you have can cause you to become a shell of what you need to be. Make you lose everything that you worked hard to get. Go low on your laurels or morals, whatever the word is saying is. Cause you to look at yourself as I'm done. Even though you have more to do and have more to prove and have a ways to go. I don't want to look at Zion Williamson as a player who was incredible, but never reached what we thought he could get to. Showed spurts of greatness, but never fully got there. I don't want to say that about Zion. But right now, that's the, that's the fear. Because that fear is reality. We could re saying that about Zion Williams. Not that he's one of the most physically imposing, gifted, scary, and athletic freaks of nature that we've ever seen grace the basketball court. Denting floors when he lands. Ripping basketballs out of the strongest players in the league. Walling up seven-footers. Running through anybody that goes his way. Making people get out of the way because they don't even want to take a charge against a player of his size moving at the speed that he moves with the handles that he has at his disposal and the absolute insane world-class all-time Hall of Fame level verticality and explosion that is in his body. I don't want to overlook that and have the, uh, and have the one takeaway from his career being he could have been better. It could have been more. He was great, but I don't want to have to say but when it comes to Zion Williams. I don't want to have to say but when it comes to talking about his career. I don't want to have to add a but when we're talking about what he achieved. But right now, we're going to have to have a conversation. Whenever we have a talk about Zion Williamson, he's great, but he's not where he needs to be. And it's insane that this is the case, but it's the reality of what we're experiencing when it comes to Zion. It's a cold, hard fact. It's a cold, hard fact that I don't want to be true, but it is. We're going to look at Zion's career as a career that was muddied by what-ifs and buts, both literally and figuratively. If you know, you know. If you know, you know. If you know, you know, both literally and figuratively, his career is going to be mired and muddied with but in terms of talking about his career. But he could have been better. But he was great, but never achieved. Athletic, but no work ethic. Average 27, but never did it again. Could duck on anybody, but succumbed to his weight and lost the work ethic necessary to keep that same athleticism where it needs to be. Was the best player on the Pelicans, but he stopped trying. Zion Williamson's career is going to be a career filled with butts, doubt, and outright disappointment. If he does not get it together. I don't want to say remember Zion Williamson at the end of his career. 
No. I don't I don't want that to be the conversation. I want it to be, oh man, I remember Zion Williamson when he would run rough shot over anybody in his way. They're two distinct things. Two different phrases that hold two different connotations. One, do you remember Zion Williamson? That type of remember is a player who was great but fell off. And now it's, oh man, I remember when he was phenomenal for a couple, for a drop in the bucket. Yeah. But uh, he got out of shape and no longer could perform. So turned into a, a middle-of-the-road type player. Versus, oh, remember Zion Williamson. Oh, my gosh. That type of remember? A beast that dominated for a decade plus. Bonafide Hall of Famer. Left an indelible mark on the sport as a whole. And separated himself from the pack. And we look at those, remember, we look at those types of plays and those types of memories as, oh man, we'll never see a player like him again. Wow. It's two different things. Two different things. That's what Zion is working against in terms of himself when it comes to his career. He's hurting himself in that aspect, and I hate it. I despise it, and I hope it changes because I don't want that for him. I don't want that for his career. I don't want that for his legacy at all. I don't want that for his legacy at all, at all. But we could very well see that coming down the pipe when it comes to how we look at Zion Williams. And on the flip side, talking about Los Angeles, this team looks like it put it all together. Talked about the shooting, touched on it early on. Shot 46%, made 17 threes. Normally, again, you make five on the Lakers. That is a good night. Defensively, was absolutely phenomenal. Offensively, everything clicked. LeBron at age 38, about to be 39, had 30, what was it, 38 and, and, and 8, I believe. In fact, let me, not, let, let me not do the guessing game. Let me make sure I got this right. Because these numbers should not be second guess when it comes to what the world was seeing from LeBron James. LeBron James had 30 points, 8 assists, 5 boards, 9 to 12 from the field, 4 for 4 from 3. Perfect from the three-point line. Perfect from the field, from, from the free throw line. Everything was absolutely Clicking was just sublime basketball from the Los Angeles Lakers. We should not be saying this about LeBron being the best player on his team, but he is, objectively. And it's going to be like that for the rest of his career. No more we're going to do. We need to start saying AD needs to step up. No. AD needs to do exactly what he's doing right now because he's not going to be able to take, the, take that mantle. He just can't do it. We're looking for it. Stop asking. It's not going to happen. Except that AD is not going to be the second best player on the squad. That's not bad. That's how Los Angeles got to their title the first time they won. Or that's how Los Angeles got to the, to the, the title in 2020 when they won with AD and LeBron when they first got together. LeBron was the best player on the floor. AD just played insanely well as well. This is the same metric that needs to happen if we want to see these Lakers get to the finals again. And right now it's happening. Los Angeles is playing 
on all fronts. Because everybody's out there. is back. V- Vanderbilt is back. The Vandalorian. The all-encompassing defensive menace that can guard every position. Switch. Athletic enough to run the floor. Can pass deceptively. And can be one of the best offensive rebounders on this team. Keep possessions alive. All of those pieces are healthy. Every relevant piece is here and is primed to produce and perform. And now we're seeing this team start to hit a stride. Five games above 500 for the first time since 2021. Since they just got off a championship. It ain't been, they ain't been above 500 this far since. This is a team that is... Un- we have been waiting so long to have this type of consistent production from the Lakers. And now it's starting to happen. Reddish is coming to his own after early struggles. Not just from shooting, but also defensively. Was a great defensive player up in Atlanta. Uh, yeah, Atlanta. Was a great defensive player in Atlanta. Showing that even more here in L.A. Torian Prince started off hot shooting, got off shooting, and now is back on shooting, was five right from the field. D'Angelo Russell has turned into the point guard that we have been wanting to see happen consistently. The point guard that we thought we were going to get from, that, not, not we, the point guard that we thought the Lakers were going to get from Brooklyn. That type of point guard, he's turned into that and is now consistently shooting at a high level. Great field goal percentage and is knocking down open threes when he has the opportunity. We're seeing it more and more. Rotations are starting to take shape. Consistently. Yes, we know Darvin Ham. I hate the fact that how he runs this team is horrible. I hate it. But the one thing I do like is that he is willing to put in what fits. And this team has a lineup for every type of offense. You go big, we can go big. You can go small, we can go small. You want to go fast, we can go fast. Anything you throw our way, we can adapt and overcome. If you're in the mind of the Los Angeles Lakers. And this team is now clicking and is turning into a real threat in the West. Many people were still writing this team out. Yes, we knew what they were capable of. We didn't think they were going to be able to achieve it. Now, that's not a starting to get a little shaky. Starting to get a little, a little out there. Hold on, wait a minute. Wait a second. LeBron's playing as dominantly as we have ever seen him. Having one of his best seasons in his career. Has adapted and overcame the what we thought was going to be a drop-off from his because of his age. Seemingly hasn't slowed down. Has only gotten smarter and smarter and smarter. Has become a better three-point shooter. Has been sustainably the best player that this team can rely on is able to come up and blow up for points at any given point in time. When he turns it on, he always he can end, he can go into the fourth quarter with four points and end the game with 30. He's shown that he can do that consistently this year. Like he's shown every other year. But now he's putting it into practice more than ever. It's an insane thing to see that the best player, in my opinion, the best player ever is still playing like the best player ever at an age where we should be saying the new regime of talent clears LeBron. 
just like it should clear Steph and should clear KD. But these old brothers just keep on ticking and keep on clicking in terms of their ability to produce and perform. It's a wild thing to see. None more potent than LeBron. And him leading this squad that is fully gelled, fully put together, still has a has every reliable piece now healthy back and clicking. And Vando still getting in ball shape. Hachimura's getting back into shooting shape. But they're shooting and playing like this now. I'm not saying they're going to be shooting like this all the time. I'm not saying they're going to be playing this offensively perfect all the time. But what I am saying is that this is a squad that now has shown and is starting to establish themselves as a real threat more than anybody may have anticipated. Last year, they got swept by the Nuggets. Absolutely. But they weren't supposed to get to the playoffs in the first place. Now, with the retooling of a roster that looked shaky early on, now when the chemistry's starting to flow, Austin Reeves playing like Austin Reeves, Hachimura getting back and going to play like Hachimura, already had five of nine great from the field as a whole. Vanderfield back, Jackson Hayes playing great dirty minutes, and the rest of the starting five doing what they need to do. Everybody not being a hindrance but a strength. Everybody putting effort, unlike Zion Williams and those Pelicans, in that last game, putting effort, energy, and drive into defense, which has always been what's gotten them to deep playoff runs, being defensively sound and running the fast break. That type of mentality, that type of ability, that type of dedication with this type of roster, led by a player like LeBron, this could be dangerous for any team in the West including the Denver Nuggets, including Denver, who right now is my favorite to get out of the West. We know the Timberwolves have been playing great, phenomenal, absolutely, again, it's a surprise to everybody with how great the Timberwolves are being, 16-4 and four this year. Anthony Edwards playing sublime, one of the best defenses in the entire league are the Timberwolves. And offensively, again, Cat and AD, I mean AT, Cat and Ant, Long Rudy Gobert, are gelling and working when we thought they weren't going to work. Oh my gosh. Roster's surprising everybody, which is competition's competition. But all of that is to say this team, regardless of who you put in front of, Right now, and if they keep building, whether it's the Timberwolves, whether it's the Nuggets, whether it's anybody in the West, and relatively anybody else in the East, this team, how they're built, can give any team a run for their money. And once they reach their zenith and their peak, again, of the potential that this roster is showing right now, if they do in fact, because nothing's guaranteed, if they do in fact reach that, now we're looking at a roster, and we're looking at a team that, oh, shoot. We, it could be they could have a shot at winning a title. Not just in the memeable, oh, Lord, LeBron's going for it again. No. For real. This team could have a shot at winning a title. Without it looking right now. Not just because of this game. 
talking about as a whole, the foundational building blocks of how this team is gelled more and more and more and more and more, including when pieces have come back. And if everybody stays healthy still, y'all better watch out. Y'all better, y'all better be, be afraid. Be afraid, be very afraid of this team because they're coming. And they're getting ready to run through everybody coming their way. Because they're built to succeed. This Lakers squad is built to succeed. I tell you what. It's a phenomenal thing to watch. And I can't wait to see how this, not just the finals of the in-season tournament, but how this rest of the season unfolds. And speaking of the finals of the in-season tournament, very quickly, discussing what's going to happen in this game. I got the Lakers winning. In a very close affair. I feel like Halliburton is going to be, two things are going to happen. Either he's going to be taken out of the game entirely, or he's going to dominate the game in a very close affair. If he dominates the game, he'll probably have 40 and 12. I can see that absolutely. 40 and 12 with him going off. No doubt about it. Or, with the size and length and strength and switchability that the Lakers have at their disposal. Everybody now buying into the defensive end of the floor. And with Cam Reddish and Jared Vanderbilt and Hachimura all healthy. I think they'll be able to put those types of people on Halliburton consistently. And muddy up everything. And make it difficult for him to find and pass through those avenues that we know he's been so special at doing. At least, at minimum, mitigating his ability to score. If we can't stop the pass, at least mitigating the ability for him to be able to score at the high clip that he's been doing for the past up-team games. That's what I think is going to happen. Or, again, like I said before, he goes off for 40 and 12. And we got to win this, and they got to win this in overtime. I don't know why I keep saying we. And they got to win this in overtime. Oh, I remember why. Because I was saying I'm a Lakers fan. Oh, yeah. 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 We, 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 joke with one of my friends. I'm a Lakers friend. Oh, yeah. We are going to win it all. We are, we, we are the kings of the, <laughs> uh, we are going to win this season. I <laughs> uh, just an inside joke with some of my other confidants that watch this show. Hopefully y'all are sharing the show as well. But again, I digress. Whatever fandom you support, whatever fandom you're a part of, watch this game. And mark my words, either we're going to see Tyrese Halliburton go for 40 and 12, somewhere along those insane numbers, or he gets shut down entirely, either from his passing or his scoring. If he dominates, he'll dominate in everything. But if he doesn't dominate, he'll be mitigated to one thing. And most likely, he'll be mitigated to passing. I think the Lakers will be able to switch, press up, play physical, and and separate the blended skill set that we know Halliburton has at his disposal. Force him to be one or the other. Force him to be a passer and not a scorer. We can handle that. They can handle that. We, in the mind of the Lakers, they're thinking we can handle that. And we just don't let him go off offensively with his own points. Force him to be strictly a passer. Oh, we can handle it. Absolutely. Blended of the two. Oh, it's going to be a long night. But they can potentially, if this shooting keeps on going, especially now that everybody's scared, oh, man, if this Lakers team can actually shoot consistently, 
what the world do we do? They, we could see this go, we, we could see this just as easily. Run away from the Pacers. We could. I'm not saying it's going to happen. But I got the Lakers winning this in-season tournament. Most likely, LeBron will win finals uh, MVP for the in-season tournament. Or in-season tournament MVP. Something that, something that Jordan ain't got. Yeah. <laughs> something that Jordan ain't got. Huh? Huh? What you want, Jordan? Huh? Huh? We clapping for nobody. Yeah. Because y'all ain't nothing. Y'all ain't nothing. You Jordan Knights ain't nothing. Nothing. No, I'm kidding. I'm messing. I'm kidding. All just jokes. All just fun and jokes. But again, it's going to be a great game to see on Saturday on tomorrow night. But without further ado, or with that being said, rather, this has been another episode of The Welch Report. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you so much for listening to the show. We had so much fun on this episode dedicated to the NBA. We got so much more to cover. Come next week, trust and believe. We're still going to cover everything that happens in all of the sports world. So please leave a like on the video, comment your thoughts and opinions, subscribe to the channel, and share the show with everybody that you know so we can keep on building up this empire of the World Report together. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you so much for listening. Peace and love. We are out of here. <laughs>